It's Islam. The deep questions. Spirituality. History. Politics. Poetry. It's pure Islam. Today we are going to talk about a topic that has been on my mind lately. And this topic I've pondered and reflected upon. And I decided for these podcasts to keep it raw. To keep the thoughts flowing from inside into the microphone. I have not prepared anything. These are just thoughts and ideas that have been circling around within myself. Wanting to come out and find a greater meaning. And one of these topics that I've been contemplating these last weeks is the what I call the battle of wills. Why do I want something? Do I really want it or do I pretend to want it? How much have I stopped myself from becoming by excusing myself with bad excuses, with lame words? We will come to that in a moment, but just the concept of willing something is its amazing. I mean, we can read in the Quran that... Also, this is found in the Bible and I guess in all sorts of religious divine scriptures that when the deity, when God wants something, he wills and it happens. The Quran says, Kun fayakun. But, or rather, it seems as if he has granted some of this creative willpower or this creative power to humans where we can will something and it will actually happen the least and most abstract of these are my ideas i can sit and think and imagine i can imagine a ball It can be red, it can be large, it can be small, it can be put in a pond, it can be in a rainforest, it can be on my desk. I can take this ball and put it on a whale. And this whale will travel the entire world, not in the sea, 
but on clouds. These are all images that I can provoke with my bare mind. And then I can take this a step further. I can take a pen and I can draw these pictures. And what what is more is that I can take these pictures and I can create them. And I don't mean just by clay. For example, I read in the autobiography of Nikola Tesla, the famous uh, physician from the, I think, what is 19, 19th century or something like that. Uh, it's called My Inventions. And he describes, you know, he had a notebook with all of his ideas. And he describes that he, the he, you can call it visions. He got visions and like very strong images of how different technical items would work. And they had not been invented yet. And then he dotted them down, made a blueprint, and he actually created them. And many of his creations, his technical inventions, have been from mere images created in his mind. Or according to him, inspired to him, by whom he doesn't state. But these inspired pictures that came to him, he took them from an image into an actual creation that you and I use today. Now, we as believers, or as humans for that matter, we have a tendency of stopping ourselves from becoming our better selves. How do we do this? By these excuses that we make. How? Let's say that I'm, I want to improve my physical health. So I decide that, okay, let me, from tomorrow, I'm going to start a training program. I'm going to run and do some push-ups and do some sit-ups. And then the tomorrow comes. And when the tomorrow comes, I say, oh, I can't today. Why? Because I'm tired, I have a headache, I'm stressed about a work assignment or a school project that I need to make, I etc. etc. This I can't stops me from actually doing. Now why can't I do it? What is it that's stopping me? Have I lost my legs so I can't run? Have I, God forbid, been uh, sick or like infected with COVID-19? Or what is it that has, is it like a physical uh, hindrance that stops me from doing this training? Most of the time, it's not. It's rather some sort of mental chain. That is blocking me from becoming. Now we as believers. Whether it's Jesus Christ. Upon whom be peace. That is my role model. It's the prophet Muhammad. Upon whom be peace and his family. If it's 
Imam Ali, it's some scholar, whoever. When we discuss, for example, we say that yes, the Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, he used to pray until his feet got swollen. The Quran in Surah Taha says, Taha ma anzalna al Quran We didn't reveal this Quran to become a burden for you. Because the Prophet used to pray until his feet got swollen. Now, if when I read this, I think, well, I cannot be like the Prophet. The Prophet was chosen by God. He is someone spectacular, one in a kind. The, the God himself taught him, raised him, disciplined him. I'm like, I cannot become like him. When we read about Ali ibn Abi Talib, upon whom be peace, it stated that in the one of the wars, he got an arrow in his thigh. And this arrow had pierced his flesh and meat and it damaged him severely and he had a lot of pain and they could not pull out this arrow. But once he started to pray, they could remove it and he didn't even notice. Now, when we take these examples and say, why can I not pray like the Prophet. Why can I not pray like Imam Ali? Then I will tell myself, I can't because they were chosen. They are ma'asum. They are selected by God. And I am not, according to me. So I excuse myself. And I am happy with the prayer that I perform. But then we go on. We go further down the road. Let's look at for example, the Battle of Karbala, where Uthman ibn Sa'id and Zuhair ibn Qayn, during the Dhuhr, the midday prayer, when the Imam, when the Imam, Imam Hussain and his companions were doing the Salat, these two, Zuhair ibn Qayn and Uthman ibn Sa'id, they were standing in front of the Imam and protecting him from the arrows that were being shot at them. And they threw themselves in front of each arrow until after the prayer had finished, upon which Uthman ibn Sa'id fell down and became a martyr. Now these two are not infallibles. These two are not selected persons by God in the sense like a prophet or an imam. They did not have a message to deliver. They did not have a message to uphold. They were like you and me. Yet, if I was on the prayer rug and a, let's say, a spider started crawling, would I not scream? Would I not jump? Would I not hasten my prayer? But I would say, but I cannot be like them because they were in the presence of the Imam. And I am not. I will come with excuses. I will say, I am not like them because of this and that. What I am in reality saying is that I don't want to become like them. But I don't have the courage to say this. So I mask it behind, I can't. No, the reality is, I don't want. 
Now, all the special people of God woke up for the night worship. We have a Hadith Qudsi where God says, The one who claims to love me lies because when night falls, he forgets me. One of the scholars, an Orafa, Ustad Fatiminia, he says that whoever got whatever he got, whatever status or rank or maqam in front of God, he got it from Sahar, from the dawn. Now I know all of this. I know how recommended it is to pray during the night, to make dua, to read the Quran, to meditate, to contemplate. We have in the Sunnah of the Prophet that he after Aisha, he if he did not engage in some sort of worship or spirituality, he um, usually went to bed. He rested. He did not waste his night time in any worldly affairs. I also remember in one of the books where, if I remember correctly, correctly it was Shayn Mutahari who, who narrated that he came with uh, one of his, his teachers to a meeting. This was in the meeting, in the evening after the Maghrib. And in this meeting, there were several scholars and they had discussed a topic and that topic was poetry. So they started to recite poetry and discuss it and dive into it. And afterwards, this scholar, he became really sad and he cried and he made astaghfar and begged for forgiveness. And he said, the topic was good and it was a nice discussion, but reciting poetry after Maghrib and in the evening during the nightfall, it's not recommended. The night is a time limited to love. And the love of the divine, not any love. So we should not waste it in anything else. Now the question is, I know this, like this is an information that I am aware of. Yet when night falls, what do I do? I turn on the TV, I watch some movie, I scroll my social media feed. And when I ask myself, why, when I ask myself, why can't, why don't I raise up and make some sort of worship? Again, I say, but I can't. The reality is, I don't want to. Now, what does this I don't want to mean? What it means that in each and every moment when I don't want, I am choosing something else in front of God. I want something more than what God would like for me to do in that moment. At the end of the day, it's a battle between wills. Which wills? My will versus God's will. 
There is a passage in the Bible that I read many years ago and at first I did not like it because some it felt like blasphemy somehow. Like it limited or weakened God. But the more that I grew and thought of this passage, the more it started to make sense. And the passage is that Jacob, the prophet Yaqub, he is in a wrestling match with God. And they wrestle and wrestle and wrestle all day long until at the end of the day, Jacob wins. Now, in the biblical sense, their perspective on the prophets are not the same as Islamic, where the where Islam sees the prophets as infallible, whose wills are surrendered completely in front of God's will. But if we change uh, Yaqub as a prophet into an ordinary person, what this passage teaches me is that I have a battle of wills with God. And all of my perfection lays in me surrendering my will into God's will. And this is what Islam, what Taslim, what Muslim means. That I do not have a will of my own. Now these are the there are the outward aspects of this which the Islamic law states. For example, when you eat, you're not allowed to eat these set of meals. And uh, when you talk, you're not allowed to lie, you're not allowed to backbite, you're not allowed to uh, swear, you're not allowed to... These things you're not allowed to do. When you interact with people, these things you're not allowed to do. These things are better that you do. So Islam comes with a set of laws. And these are the outward aspects of the religion. And when I implement them, to, cer- to a certain degree, I surrender my will into God's will. And then, some periods, God increases these regulations. For, regulations. for example, during the month of Ramadan. Where he says, okay, now you're not allowed to eat during the entire day. And you're not allowed to drink. So I surrender my will. Not my heart, but my will. My my stomach, my, my uh, body, but not my heart. The heart is still there. Perhaps I can fast all day and not eat, but in my heart I hate it. I want to eat. I just think about food all day long. But my body is still under the control of my... Somewhere in my heart I want, for example, not be punished or I want to reach reach paradise or something. But it's something that is stronger than my love for food. But the thing is that if a person does not surrender his will to God's will, little by little, that human being becomes weak. And the day when he needs his willpower the most, he will not have it. 
This goes back to the original question. Where does the willpower come from? Does not the willpower come from God himself? Is not my will a product or a result or a manifestation of God's creative will? If that is the cause, if that is the essence of my will, that means that for each moment when I will and want something other than God, my will will damage me. But I will not notice it until I am in a critical situation. The author C.S. Lewis in his book Mere Christianity writes like this, quote, Good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which, a few months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or a railway line or a bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. End quote. Now what happens when a person systematically, frequently, regularly goes against this God will inside him? There's a name for that. It's called consciousness. Some call it the inner angel. There's a hadith from Imam Musa al-Kadhim that says the external reason or aql is the prophet and the internal prophet is your reason. That means that whatever the prophets both and said resonates well within me but then I decide whether I want it or not. Now what will happen when you neglect this inner will, this divine will, this Islam has a word for it, fitra, where you want to live according to the creation that God originated you on. When you walk astray from this, you will gradually weaken your willpower and you will become less and less of a divine human being. What happens then is somewhere, somehow, something like a crisis will occur. This again is an opportunity for you in disguise. This is like God coming and turning your world upside down. At that moment you will become heartbroken. You will be in despair. You will be in a crisis. At that moment a feeling will gush forth. This innate prophet will scream at you. Listen up. 
It's time to act according to my commands. And when you start doing that, because you are in a crisis, what happens is that you lose uh, your lust and temptation and satisfaction and love for everything mundane. If you are in an economic crisis, you will not waste your time on movies because you cannot relate to that. You are worrying. You are searching a job. You are trying to somehow, for example, decrease your expenses or find some alternative way of uh, increasing your income. That consumes you. Sometimes it's not a crisis. Sometimes it's a feeling of isolation that comes up. And also when you have a crisis, usually usual this feeling of isolation and loneliness also occurs. The great poet Jalaluddin Rumi opens his Masnavi with the reed flute. And the opening lines are Listen to the reed as its story it relates and of separation it complains. Since the time that from the reed bed was I taken at my strains have lamented man and woman. Oh, at heart I seek that is torn with the pain of separation that it may hear the tale of my longing for return Whoever remains distant from his origins seeks again the life of reunion. End quote. What happens is a feeling arising inside you that after deep feelings of alienation, loneliness, and estrangement, it appears inside you and motivates you to seek reunion with the real, a union which puts an end to the feelings of alienation, loneliness and helplessness. This is called in the Seirwa Suluk, in the spiritual path towards God, in Arafan it's called Erada, the willpower. This feeling, this will to rejoin with God. The end of it, Rumi describes in another passage of his poetry, where he says, or actually it's not from his poetry, or rather it is from his discourses, the fihi ma fihi. He says, and I'm paraphrasing, that at the end of the line, the Araf, the knower of God, the mystic, he will become like a dead body in the sea. He will not move. The waves will move him. And this is like a complete surrender of your will into God's will. Now there is a passage in the book Light Within Me where the scholar Imam Khomeini brings forth a very special and interesting uh, metaphor. He says, if all 124,000 prophets were gathered inside one room, and in this room there will be only one chair, 
They will not argue with each other to sit on that chair. He doesn't say, but I add, probably that chair will be left, left empty. No one will sit on it. Whereas today, in our civilization, in our world, in every country, all human beings fight for one chair. And the greatest power is in that chair. And they look upon that person who sits on that chair and follows his commands. I'm talking about the president or the king that rules the country, the ruler. The question now is, who is sitting on the throne of my heart? Who is giving the commands to me to act upon? Which will is it that I am following? Now, of course, I am indulged in activities which weakens my will. This is one problem. For example, what's the difference between reading a book and watching a movie? Well, reading a book takes longer time, but it forces my fantasy to create its own scenarios, its own sceneries, its own atmosphere, its own images. Whereas when I watch a movie, I am fed with all of the images. So there is not much left for me to imagine. What I can do is I can analyze what it's saying, try to understand its message, etc., etc. But it will not let me create my own images. And what happens is that if I don't read in a while, it's harder for me to start reading because I have weakened my fantasy and I'm used to being fed with the images. And why is fantasy so important? Because it is in the fantasy that somehow connected to my spiritual powers, so to say. The fantasy being one, the dreams, the emotions, the elhamat and inspirations, the revelations, the mukashafat and unveilings, all of these fall within the domain of the abstract. Now, if I weaken this domain by putting the books aside and watch the, the movies, the series, the TV, or when I scroll through my social media feeds, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Snapchat, the TikTok, all of these, I'm fed with all of these images and sounds. The next problem is that when I read my thoughts, they are stimulated. The problem is that I do not have any processing time for all of the images that I'm fed on social media and in the movies. It goes too fast. I don't have any time to think about it. And the problem today is that there is no time for thinking. You sit on the bus before you sat on the bus and you watched out. Today, when you sit on the bus, inside the bus, there's a digital billboard that is throwing all sorts of ads on you. If you don't watch the billboard, you watch your phone. 
and uh, look at the news or uh, look at the social media feeds or watch YouTube or you don't have any time to think anymore. Now what all of these images, all this input that you are fed with, what they do is they weaken your will by divide and conquer. I mean that they come and create a thousand wills within your will. You see photos of travel, so you want to travel. You see photos of uh, quotes, so you want to read books. You see photos of cars, so you want to buy a car. You see photos of do-it-yourself and home renovation, and you want to create everything and be a craftsman. And all of these continue. So your own voice is lost among the myriad of all voices that you listen to. Now there is a hadith. This hadith is a bit frightening when you go into it very deeply. It says that man worships what he listens to. So if what he listens to speaks of God, he worships God. And if it's talking about Satan, he's worshipping Satan. Now this is not only in its outward sense that you need to speak of either religion or backbiting, either how to perform the prayer or lying. It's not, these are obviously one category, but there are a million categories that fall within the gray zone among these. And many of them are a simple waste of time and effort. It's a weakening of the will to become. Now there is another dua, an invocation. This is Imam Mahdi's invocation during the month of Rajab. And the prayer goes like this. أَسْأَلُكَ بِمَا نَتَقَ فِيهِمْ مِنْ مَشْيَتِكَ فَجِعَلْتَهُمْ مَعَادِينَ لِكَلِمَاتِكَ وَأَرْكَانَ لِتَوْحِيدِكَ وَآيَاتِكَ وَمَقَامَاتِكَ الَّتِي لَا تَأْتِلَ لَهَا فِي كُلِّ مَكَانَ يَعْرِفُكَ بِهَا مَنْ أَعْرَفَكَ لَا فَرَقَ بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهَا إِلَّا أَنَّهُمْ عِبَادِكَ وَخَلْقُكَ I ask you by your will which speaks within them, for you have appointed them minds for your works and pillars of the profession of your unity, your signs and your stations, which are never interrupted in any place. Through them knows he who knows you. There is no difference between you and them except that they are your servants and your creation. Their doing and undoing is in your hands. Their origin is from you and their return is to you. They are the aids, the witnesses, the testers, the defenders, the protectors and the searchers." End quote. Now this prayer describes a special relationship between God and these special, special servants of his, where he speaks through them 
his will. An example, they are like receptors of his will. They have emptied their hearts and they are receiving only the will of God and then they manifest it. And it is because of them that you and I even know God. It is through them that we understand the realities that we cannot see with a mundane eye. Now think about it. Every moment of your day, there is a thousand whispers from God that you do not hear. Apart from the main and daily regular stress and distractions and focus that you have, such as all the work you need to do, prepare the food, clean the house, take care of the kids, take care of the car. All of these already occupy a lot of your focus. And on top of these, you do not have the loneliness and the time to process and think. Instead, you consume other people's thoughts, other creators, their movies, their videos, their talks, their sounds. And you fill your empty time with even more input. It can be professional input, and it can be all of the laymen and the friends and the neighbors that you have in your social network. All of their doings are filled inside you. Now in this situation, how will you create one strong will? How will you win the battle of the wills? We mentioned that a person who continues along this path Somewhere a crisis will occur and he will not cope. However, there are many small, small divine whispers in your week-to-week activities. Have you ever felt that you sit down and for some reason that you do not really know, you become sad? This feeling of isolation, of loneliness... You can be in a gathering with friends and family, yet you sit there and you're consumed with yourself. You drown in your own thoughts. You see them, you hear them, but you do not listen. You do not actually sense them because you have gone inside your own cave and you feel lonely. These type of feelings are actually God making the azan to your soul and calling you to himself. These are the moments which we do not seize, but if we seize them and act upon them, these will gradually draw us nearer to him because when we are there among friends and family and kin, yet we still feel lonely. That means we are longing for something else. There's a quote from the poet Rumi, who says, At last the soul will become tired of everything else except the spiritual journey. End quote. How to strengthen the will, how to win the battle, how to enter 
even the warfield, draw your sword and advance on the path of self-reform is something that we will explore further and dive deeper into in the next episode of the Battle of the Wheels.